read again. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. My friends, we're looking uh, this evening at Paul's feelingfulness and genuineness. Paul's feelingfulness and genuineness. It's not uh, a very easy subject in a sense uh, to tackle, but it's one that's uh, a great one uh, to contemplate and uh, has a lot of benefits for us and gives us, as we said from last week, from the letters, uh, we can see something of the, the, the feelings and the motivations that are going on in Paul's very own heart. And he's opening up uh, through uh, this letter uh, to the Thessalonians. He does in other letters as well, as we said. And he's giving us an insight uh, into uh, his own way of thinking and feeling. He said, as we on a number of occasions, Be ye followers of me, as I uh, also am of Christ. And he said that, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. None of us would dare say, Follow me, copy me, let me be your example. We'd be too embarrassed, I think, to ever say that. But the Apostle Paul, man as he was, by the inspiration of God, could say that those things. Be a follower of me. Paul is set forth for us, friends, in the Scripture uh, to be an example, an example as a pastor, an example in his view uh, of the world, an example of one, as we're seeing tonight, there's a deep and a real concern, a real love uh, for people, a love for his fellow man. We have our Saviour to follow, and that's a perfect example. But in God's kindness, he also has, we also have this man, uh, Paul, set forth in the New Testament as a pattern for us. And we want to look uh, tonight at something uh, that really must be of interest to all believers. How can I? Uh, display a truly Christian character. What is it? What is this part? So often, so little do we hear about it. This uh, feelingfulness and genuineness for souls. How I'm a, how m- I must be kind and caring for others. How can I do that without just it being a show, without it just being uh, a hypoc- uh, uh, like a hypocritical show? Uh, these, are, these characteristics are so valuable to us but we want them to be genuine and real and heartfelt. And so that's our our subject as we continue looking at the life of this and work of this great apostle, uh, the apostle uh, Paul. So even uh, without looking at uh, new material, uh, we have to say that uh, we cannot imagine uh, anyone going through life as Paul did on those great journeys that he did that we looked at a couple of weeks ago without genuine feelingness for people. Something made him go the extra mile. (laughs) Extra mile. I think he went the extra 10 miles, really, in this pursuit of souls, in his love uh, for souls. Genuine feeling that was driving him. Yes, he had love for Christ. That was the primary motivation, to glorify uh, the Lord. That was his motivation. But also this genuine feeling and love for people. Concern for those who are lost and perishing. A real desire for their eternal welfare. We cannot imagine for one moment that he could have done all that in the spirit of hypocrisy 
or just going about seeking his own glory. That would be far from it, just to receive acclaim and the applause of men, to make such sacrifices, to go through such suffering, just to win honor to himself, far from it. It can't be. There must be something more, more behind it. Just for egotistical pride on his side, no friends. Uh, we, we see uh, more, more than that. Here, is, uh, here he is going through all these things to win souls, becoming all things to all men because he wanted them to be saved and rescued uh, from uh, eternal damnation. He endured as a good soldier of Jesus uh, Christ all those things just so that he could win as many as uh, he could. What an example for us. <laughs> we'll never reach that, I think. But we should try. We should try and emulate. That's why he says, follow me. Not to, be, not to give us a picture that is so far ahead of us, it's impossible to, that we'll ever achieve, but that we make efforts even in that uh, direction. Now, chapter 2 of, uh, of First Thessalonians is where we're going to be spending most of our time this evening. And it's a gem because uh, it brings out for us uh, this very subject. Uh, one very big reason for saying that is because it was at Thessalonica uh, really that Paul received some of the, his worst treatment. You can see this in, in verse 2. We, he, we, was, we suffered there. We were shamefully entreated uh, at Philippi uh, and then also at Thessalonica. Uh, it happened. And then when they went on to Berea, you remember how it was the Thessalonian Jews who pursued after Paul. And you can see that in Acts chapter 16 uh, and chapter 17. Uh, they pursued after Paul and uh, stirred up the people uh, even in uh, Berea. So uh, Thessalonica was a place that stood out in Paul's mind. It's because there they were strongly opposed and uh, Paul and uh, his, the, the band, the brethren who were with him, had to quickly depart under such persecution. Yet as he writes to the church, and uh, this is possibly one of the earliest uh, New Testament letters, as he writes to the Thessalonian believers and the church that was founded there in uh, the midst of all that trouble, you see really what a tender heart uh, he had for them. He hadn't been there very long. I'm sure it's more than the three weeks sometimes that people put out. He couldn't have done so much as he did in three weeks. I'm sure he was there longer. But as he was there, uh, his heart attached, isn't it? It's not, these are not people he knew for tremendous, for years and years and years. And yet, what was it about him to them? Well, the gospel, their reception of, of Christ, that family of Christ. And isn't that what we find? Sometimes you go to places in distant lands, you, you meet Christians, and you feel uh, a bond with them uh, very quickly, mutually, because you share the same faith. Where did that come from? Where did that love for these people come from? Well, it came... Uh, from the Lord, of course, this uniting uh, together in the Lord. And you feel that you know sometimes people for a long time because we share the same faith. Well, he had such a tender care uh, for them uh, and such a, a, a desire for them in his heart. And uh, again, we have to assert that this is a chapter, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, is a, written by the Holy Spirit. And to set forth Paul... Uh, here is an example to us, and I think 
uh, we can also say he had a, a feeling for every church uh, that he planted. And even those he didn't plant, he would have a concern, hadn't visited, he would have a care uh, for them. So verse 1, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. Uh, this is uh, really what I've been trying to say. He, he came to them, our entrance in unto you. It was not around a corner. Uh, it was after an arduous uh, missionary journey. This is his second missionary journey. He's already been on the road, uh, we could say, for, for a long time. He's been in Philippi, uh, that first European city. He could easily have turned back at that point because of all the suffering that they had endured. But instead, no, he goes on because there are other uh, cities to reach. How long was it from Philippi uh, to Thessalonica? A hundred miles. A hundred miles he had to go uh, on foot. It never, never deterred him. But his missionary concern in the first place when he got to Thessalonica was that souls would receive the word and uh, be saved. Rescued from sin, brought to Christ, won by the gospel. This was the uppermost uh, things in his mind. And yet, uh, here, the background to this chapter 2 is actually people, who, those opponents who were in Thessalonica, are slandering him. They're speaking evil of him uh, to the church. They're saying, Paul, <laughs> he's selfish. Paul, he's using trickery. He's tricking you. Paul, he's exploiting you in the church. This is what those uh, enemies of Paul were saying. So what we have in chapter 2 is actually his self-defense. He's actually responding to all these accusations that are coming against him. He's only after what you have, they were saying. He's only after getting something from you. And he's going to show them through, these, through his words uh, that that's not the case. He's only interested in them. And he came to give uh, them not to take uh, from them. And because of that opposition, we get this insight into uh, the apostles' uh, heart. Uh, amazing how, how things, how the Lord works, isn't it? So he says, our entrance in unto you, it was not in vain. That doesn't really mean that it, was, it wasn't fruitful. That's not the idea here. What he's saying here, and I have to just go through these quite quickly, is that, uh, our entrance, in, when we came to you, we didn't come empty-handed. We didn't come uh, without uh, anything to give to you. We came full, as it were. We came not to take from you, but to bring you something. That's what the meaning is, uh, really, behind those words, in vain. We came to get, bring you something. We came with deep-seated concern for your souls. He's not talking about the effectiveness of the gospel uh, uh, at, at that time, uh, we came with this intention uh, to give uh, to you. Already is is answering uh, his opponents. Well, we have plenty of evangelists, and we wonder really what they're thinking. And we have to ask sometimes, why are they doing that? Why are they saying that? Why are they behaving uh, like that? Do they really have a love for souls, these people? Do they really only desire to rescue the perishing? Or their ulterior motives, sometimes with certain preachers? Is it, is it souls alone that they're after? 
But with Paul, really, there's no doubt, friends. He sought nothing for himself except fruit for the gospel. He was only concerned for lost uh, sinners. We cannot help but ask the questions, are we or do we? Or is this the character of Christians today? Well, we cannot look at all the meanings said of these verses, but we're looking at Paul's uh, heart and uh, his genuineness as well as his feeling. It was a genuine feeling, a genuine concern uh, that he had. And he said, so he says, I came to you. I came bringing the gospel to you. I came bringing you that good news, uh, telling you about God, how man can be reconciled with God and how uh, telling you of the Lord's love. This is what we need uh, to see. Uh, Verse 2, even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much (coughs) contention. Well, here he is. He's, this is no fair-weather Christian uh, Paul. Uh, Thessalonica, as I said, was the very next town uh, to Philippi. And uh, all, that, all that Paul went through at Philippi, beaten. Uh, he was uh, cast into prison, into the stocks. Uh, so many things uh, happened to him there that would easily have put any one of us off. And uh, yet he never uh, turned back. He never said, that's enough. But he presses on because there are souls to be saved. With much contention, he says, we preach the gospel, we spoke the gospel of God unto you. That, that, that speaks of exertion, exertion. We exerted ourselves uh, in, when we preached the gospel unto you. It's the idea of an athlete who's striving uh, to win the prize and does all that he can to win the prize. And that's the thought with much exertion. Because we cared so much for your souls, we put ourselves out. We went beyond the, beyond the, the extra mile. We did all that we could uh, to, and that's why he'll go on to talk about uh, working and laboring as well as preaching. We, we, we exerted ourselves uh, in this way, all because of their care uh, for the people. Verse 3. For our exhortation was not uh, of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Here we see something of what uh, Paul said, what he preached. Not so much uh, the substance of it, but the way he did it. And uh, if, you, his, if you like, you could say his approach uh, to preaching. The slur of his enemies was, he's after your money. He's after your money. He's hankering for honour. That's what he's after. You can't trust Paul. He's some devious thing behind him in his preaching. He's saying all these things because, but he's got an ulterior motive. But Paul says, no, his exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. His gospel preaching His exhortation was plainly and simply, leave your sins, come to Christ. There was no deceitfulness there. It was not like pagan teaching as well, which had all sorts of immoral things attached to it, sensual instructions uh, attached. There was no guile in Paul. There was no trickery in him, no clever crafty arguments 
as some other uh, speakers used, just to get people to believe him. He's very plain, simple, direct uh, in his preaching and very genuineness. I'm sure that even came forth. You can tell some, isn't it, when the person is genuine and when they're not, and they're playing and they're just acting the part instead of really speaking from the heart. Well, there was no none of deceit in Paul. He genuinely believed it to be the truth, and it showed. There was nothing unclean in what he said. Uh, all, in fact, he was his teaching was to produce clean hearts and clean lives, uh, and there was no guile. There's no brainwashing on his part. He was not seeking followers of his personal philosophy. He was not seeking a personal cult following. He didn't seek to have his name on the back of the bus, as some modern preachers do when they come and visit uh, this country or this land. He wasn't after all that. All he wanted was people uh, to be saved. They say this again and again, but this is it. <laughs> this is Paul. Uh, this is, he lived for the glory of God. He lived for the advance of, of the kingdom of Christ. And he lived uh, for souls. And it's so important uh, for us uh, to see. Well, we are not here, friends, to fill a church for our sakes. We want the church to be full, but not for our sakes. And the means that we use to get the church full, but we cannot use craft, we cannot use entertainment, we cannot use resort to novelties, but we stick to what God has told us, the preaching of the gospel, prayer, dependence upon the Holy Spirit. These are the means that we use. And uh, we must. what we must do is ask God, uh, for hearts, to, uh, rather to give us hearts, so we feel for the lost. Oh, I don't know about you, but me, how hard it is, we, how, how lacking in feeling we are for those who are perishing, how we pray for them, but how lacking in compassion and genuine concern uh, for the eternal welfare uh, is there uh, with you and with me. Well, verse uh, 4, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now here Paul uh, speaks of his sincerity uh, to God. He was most sincere when it came to people, but it must have flowed, or flowed out from a genuine desire only to say what God wanted him to say. Now we can sum it all up by saying that he was uh, sincere in doing God's work. He lived, it was for God, always for Paul. It's God comes first. It's what God wanted. It's how God wanted it. It's God's method. What does God, how does God say I should do it? God's message. What, what, what does he want me to stay? Even if it stirred up trouble. Well, that must have been the case. But look how often the apostle, uh, he suffered for preaching a pure uh, gospel. He, he wanted to be faithful uh, to God. God is a witness, uh, he says. And uh, in verse 5, but here, God, God which trieth our hearts. Uh, he preached, uh, sorry, he, he said what needed to be said not pleasing sinful man, but pleasing uh, God. God had put Paul in trust with the gospel, trusted him with it, 
to preach it faithfully. And uh, he did just that. Tried the hearts. Uh, here the meaning is that the apostle had a deep conviction of the truth that God knew all his motives as he uh, witnessed. Oh, what an example again uh, for us. As we witness, we seek to be uh, loyal to the gospel and make it known that we will tell people the truth and that we will give it to them straight in the right spirit, of course, uh, not not just being direct for the sake of being direct, but with, our, with his heart, with his feeling that we really care for them. Uh, and actually, that's another reason why we have a gospel service. It gives us the opportunity to speak plainly and directly to people who are unconverted and tell them their need of Christ and that they must return. We can give that whole half an hour uh, to trying to persuade that person, uh, the unbelievers, to turn uh, to the Lord. And we can speak some things from the pulpit that you would find difficult saying on a one-to-one basis. Uh, well, uh, I can say things because I can say it to everyone, whereas you might have to, have to refrain from saying certain things to individuals because you may lose that friendship and you may lose that contact with that person. Uh, so there's a great advantage to having uh, gospel preaching. <laughs> but uh, are we uh, sincere we don't want to confuse people. We want to deal honestly uh, with people, uh, with their souls, and we want to tell them uh, directly uh, even that they are not in a good state. They're not pleasing to the Lord. They need to repent. Otherwise, uh, there's also we have to speak to them about, about hell. They can avoid, they, uh, they can obtain heaven if they trust in Christ. They can avoid hell. All these things can come through in the gospel uh, message. But look, let's move on to verse uh, 5. Neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is a witness. No flattery. (laughs) No flattery from him. He didn't tell the Thessalonians, oh, you're so wonderful. (laughs) You're such good people. You're You're great. He didn't praise them for their beauty or their wealth, or their talent, or their accomplishments, and conceal from them the painful truths of their, about their guilt and danger. He stated simple, simple truth, and he never hesitated to declare his honest convictions about their guilt and danger. He was no flatterer. He, was, he didn't use flattery to deceive. He appealed, uh, he appeals to the fact here that he was... He, Oh, the fact of his own uh, integrity and uh, genuineness. They knew, yeah, they knew that he had been faithful uh, to uh, their souls. God is witness, but also the Thessalonians knew that. There was no cloak, no cloak of covetousness. Uh, the words give the idea of, as if Paul is saying that he didn't put on an appearance. He didn't put on like a cloak an appearance of concern, an appearance of love, as if he really, as if he, he loved, loved them. No, this was something genuine. This was something that came and sprang from his heart, his love for them. He didn't put on that appearance in order to gain something from them, a cloak of covetousness, money uh, perhaps. But for, oh, <laughs> again, we have to say, these kind of things are rife uh, today, isn't it? 
We have uh, tele-evangelists uh, who are unashamed, unabashed to ask for your credit card details and to tell you where you can make your donations and so on. And sometimes it's all on the screen, all the time that you're, the sermon is going on. It flashes up every now and again. And, uh, and there's, not, there's not much of a cloak there, is there? It's uh, very obvious well, what they are after. And yet so many believers even are, are taken in. Well, is the gospel preached? We have to ask them for the sake of the sinner or the promotion of the preacher or the church's pride. For Paul, he could not possess any personal covetous interest in his witness. And he could say, God is a witness. And once again, we, we ourselves also have to examine our own motives for supporting even a, a true church. Is it for ourselves that uh, we are doing these things or that we might uh, see lost souls uh, one for our Saviour? Of course, there is a sense in which there is some personal interest because we want to uh, look after our own spiritual welfare. We must feed our own souls. We must seek fellowship. Uh, we must uh, worship uh, together with the Lord's people. But when it comes to the gospel and the drawing of souls to Christ, well, we must have, friends, pure motives and desire only that God be glorified and sinners saved. God is the witness of our hearts. Verse 6, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of uh, Christ. Here is this is the heart uh, of the matter, and it's the great curse of the ministry that down the centuries men have not, uh, men not content to serve the Lord in the local church. They, they seek glory by going elsewhere. They want uh, to be in the top pulpit of the land, or they want to go around preaching at this church and that church. And some, even today it's happening. There are people uh, who are who are quite keen to travel from church to church and be known in different places and be invited uh, to the conferences and so on. And uh, I've heard people, members complaining to me, Pastor, he's away too, too often. He's too often. He should, we want him here more. And some people, some pastors have been put out of their church because he wasn't around enough in terms of preaching uh, to the local uh, congregation. Well, uh, there's nothing wrong in preaching in different churches and they're very legitimate to do that. But uh, we have to ask ourselves, are we doing it for personal uh, glory or for the Lord's uh, glory? The real antidote here uh, is no one, ever, no, no one ever really had feelings for others if their first thought is for themselves. And we all uh, know that. Well, verse 7, think of others then, friends. Verse 7, uh, here we see Paul's uh, care for them as a mother, a nursing mother. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Uh, Paul had a, a lady's going to talk about a fatherly care. Here it's a mother's care that he has, a mother's concern and love. A mother, especially a nursing mother, is always giving. Is always giving, cherish, cherish as a nursing 
mother cherisheth her children, to cherish, to warm, to brood over in that intimate kind of way. For the nursing mother is give and give and give. And uh, with such tender care, and uh, she gives genuine love without asking anything back. She, she's giving. And what an expression for Paul to use towards the Thessalonians. He's, uh, he's even, you could say, fussing over them, uh, always thinking of them, making sure all their spiritual needs uh, were met. And uh, this is how uh, he he felt for them, such a great uh, concern. Nothing harsh about him. He was not a hard man. Oh, grace had melted him. Grace had done a good work in him. The Spirit of God, the Lord had had made him what he is, uh, this gentle person caring for people to such an extent. There were times, of course, when he had to be strong, uh, especially when there was danger about and false teachers, as in Galatians, and uh, people displaying foolish, acting foolishly, uh, opposing the gospel and the Lord's people. And then he had to be somewhat hard, somewhat uh, uh, strict even. And uh, it was all, though, out of concern because he didn't want the wolves coming in and spoiling the sheep. So he's, he's got this balance, this right balance uh, to him. And, but often he put up with foolishness, uh, which, was, uh, which wasn't uh, serious. And uh, other people maybe got angry with him, but he prayed for them. He tried to woo them. Uh, he poured out tears uh, for them. He appealed uh, to their better parts. Uh, this was how he was. Gentle, patient, listening, caring feeding people, uh, dealing with them on an individual basis as well as preaching to them uh, together, feeding them as a, uh, with milk until they could take uh, meat, knowing where everyone uh, came from and speaking to them according to their need. Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, uh, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Uh, he could not give more. You could not prove more than that. Here he is giving of himself uh, for uh, the people. Uh, and, uh, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Paul would do that. And the reason he gives is just because you were dear to us. So we are willing to lay down our souls. We are affectionately desirous of you, yearning for you. <laughs> He's yearning for, uh, for them because they were so dear to him. Oh, we have such a long way to go, friends, to emulate this and to follow uh, Paul. And this, in fact, is sometimes we wonder if we have even have begun to follow in this way. Verse 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He didn't want to be a burden to them. He didn't want them to even lose out in material things. He thought about every aspect of doing them good. Uh, so thoughtful uh, was he. Verse 10, 
uh, year witnesses. And God also, I'm sorry I'm going through this so fast. I hope you, you're with me. Verse 10, uh, year witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Well, that's, this is all that Paul, uh, all this that we view here was not Paul rather insisting and arguing and trying to get us to agree to his character, but he's saying, you know what we were like. You know how we behaved. You know our character. You saw it. You heard our words, and you saw how we acted and we behaved in those, that time that we were with you, holily, justly, unblameably. We, uh, we, we said a number of times Paul's character comes through in his letters, but it's also verified in his behavior. His, his words and his behavior were, one, uh, were, were the same. There was no a discrepancy between the two. Luke tells us in Acts about his behavior. Paul tells us in words and in his letters what he's like, and Luke confirms it and gives us another witness. And so also the Thessalonians uh, can testify this is indeed what uh, he is like. Verse 11 as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his child. This is the other side. He's not an indulgent father. Uh, he's, uh, he's one uh, who uh, cares, has real uh, care and concern, and as a father is willing to charge, uh, charge, charges his children and has to say some difficult things to them sometimes and warn them about things and point out their errors and where they go wrong, and insist that they go on a right way of living, so was Paul. So he had to assert things uh, to the children. Not to, to say, this is my authority, but uh, to use it uh, because uh, he was concerned they would go down the wrong path, and he wants them to live in a way that pleases the Lord. And we must have this about us also, that we're that we will not be afraid to touch on sometimes sensitive subjects uh, with people, but as a father, uh, we may uh, feel uh, for them and approach uh, them. Uh, verse 12, this is what Paul wanted for the people, that they would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. He didn't want people to love him. <laughs> That's not his intention, or to applaud him or to supply him with material things and uh, comforts. No, it's always uh, God's uh, glory that is in mind. This, is, this must be the, the motto for pastors as well, and for the people that he teaches, that they would walk uh, worthy of the glory of God. This must be the genuine desire of each of us for each other. Pray for each other. Let's pray for people's physical needs, Pray for people's temporal needs, but pray for their souls and their spiritual walk with God. Lord, help them to walk more worthy of God. Help them to work in a more worthy way in their, in their lives. And uh, we want to pray in this way for one another, day by day, and for other churches, and for other Christians. We feel this is what they really want. And we're saddened when, uh, when we don't see people uh, walking worthy of God and this high calling with which uh, he has called us. 
verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when he received the word of God which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believed. <laughs> what encouraged Paul the most? Was it the large numbers? Was it the people who are full of doctrine? The people who could sing well? Or people who, had, who put large amounts in the offering? No, none of these things, friends. Uh, but verse uh, 13, uh, this is uh, what he wanted uh, for the people to receive the word as it is in truth, the word of God. This is his genuine design. He was so glad. And he saw people receiving the word and acting upon it. Oh, this is from God. Oh, what the pastor would be so glad to see every person uh, responding in the same way, not take it or leave it, but taking it from on high as the very words of God. Well, verses 14 to 16 uh, um, goes through the persecution that they also had uh, to go through. And uh, here also he feels, uh, I'll skip over these things, but it, he's also expressing here his love and concern uh, for, the, for them in the midst of their enemies. But verse uh, 17 uh, we brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. Uh, another thing his, his enemies said about him was, look, they've gone. They've gone. They've departed. Paul and his band, his merry band, they've left you. You see, I told you they didn't care. I told you they were, there was no real deep concern there. It was all a show. And so this is an answer again uh, from Paul. He says, we were taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. Taken from you. The word is torn away, you could say. It's been interpreted. Ripped away from you. That's not a willing departure if you're torn away from somebody. It's imposed, uh, something that's imposed upon you. And that's what uh, happened uh, here. Uh, we were torn away from you for a short time. Oh, they won't come back. They were saying, they won't return. Uh, but look, uh, we endeavoured the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Oh, Paul especially, he won't come back. He especially of all those, those three. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. <laughs> uh, but Satan uh, hindered us. And uh, that was through the political situation in Thessalonica. But... Uh, here again, you see, he's showing to them, I'm for you, I'm for you. This is uh, all these things that the people are uh, saying are lies. And uh, this was the Apostle Paul here with Thessalonica. I just very quickly, I'll read to you 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you. I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought to lay up for the parents, ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. For the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Well, there's that summary, isn't it, really, of Paul. I seek not yours, uh, but you. This is Paul's heart. This is his character. This is his feeling. This is him, the genuine man. I seek not yours, 
but you. I seek not uh, what you have and what you can give me, but I seek uh, to give uh, to you uh, the gospel. This is all my desire. So friends, you can see just in what I've gone through very quickly, and you can take your own time, go back and uh, look over these things, this chapter and the other uh, epistles, and you see how Paul is set forth uh, for us uh, the New Testament to be that example, and why the Holy Spirit has said, be, uh, uh, through him, be followers of me, that we might grow. Oh, may the Holy Spirit help you and I uh, to grow in these things, these characteristics, gifts, <laughs> gifts. Oh, doing the great things and the powerful things, they're nothing really. They're small in comparison to having these things in our hearts and being genuinely caring for others. God is our witness. He tries our hearts. He knows what we are. May he make us more like the Saviour and more like the Apostle. Amen.